0: Okay, it's a cold, cold night in Muncie. I'm glad, glad we have a crowd here. Uh, before we start, I uh, I prepared this year with a very good chaver of mine, and his father's in the hospital right now. So he told me to specifically, since it's a lot of his mimer, to mention his father's name for Shalaima. For Yechiel Shalem, Ben Bracha, this is really his Torah, and uh, it's, it's a it's a long idea. It's a mimer. But as some of you who, who recognize me, I speak sometimes quicker enough that we can get a lot done. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get through most of it before the ADD kicks in, as they say in America today. So as we uh, know from Sukkot this is not a Sukkosh here, but as we know from Sukkot there are seven Ushbizim. And there's an argument or a disagreement on how exactly we set up the seven, but most Hasidic people, we go with the Chesir and we do not go in chronological order. We go Avram, Yitzchak Yaakov, that's chronological, Moshe, Aaron, then Yosef, then David. Yosef's out of place. Chronologically, Yosef comes before Moshe and Aaron. Why is it set up this way? So one of the more famous answers is that each one of the Yishpizim represent 1,000 years of the, our world. So Avram represents from year zero of creation till 1,000, then goes Yitzchak. then goes Yaakov, and we're going to mix the order around Moshe Aaron, Yosef is going to be now, 5,700 is going to be in the time of Yosef, and then obviously David Melech Mashiach will be the last post-6,000, hopefully tomorrow, post-6,000 will be 1,000 years of David, and that's why the order is set up that way, because the order is representing the lives of each person, meaning that in order for us to survive this 1,000 year exile, these 1,000 years of exile, we have to look at Yosef's life, analyze it, learn from it, that hopefully when Mashiach comes, which will be preceded by Mashiach ben Yosef, he will come down to this planet and reveal himself and he'll say, I'm looking for the Yidin. And he'll say, they'll say, who are you? I'm Mashiach ben Yosef. It only works if he recognizes the Yidin. If, let's say, there's a bad example, the Yidin have to all have three hands because Mashiach ben Yosef has three hands. And he comes to the Yidin and he says, are these the Yidin? They'll say, yes, yeah, so you have two hands. It's not the right people. I'm looking for a different nation. So the reason why the Torah expresses more spends more time in Yosef's life than the other Shvatim is because it's relevant to our lives today and how to get out of the gullus. We have to act. We have to learn from Yosef's life to then when Yosef, Mashiach and Yosef wants to reveal himself, he'll say, I recognize these Jews. They were like me when I was in uh, round one as the son of Yaakov. So therefore, we're going to discuss tonight the life of Yosef from his birth, from his phenomenal birth, when we'll see something. And we'll see how much we get to do. It really is relevant to the next five parashas. There'll be one theme, one mimer. There'll be a lot, we'll be covering of Yosef's life and hopefully we can take a lesson out of it for our lives. And Hopefully Mashiach upon can, can reveal himself right afterward. So Yosef, when born, already the world changed. The basic history of the Chumash is Yaakov stole the brachas. We'll put that in quotation marks. Yaakov stole the brachas. Esav was obviously not happy about that. Esav decides he's going to exact revenge upon his brother. And Rivko, who was obviously a prophet, understood what was going on. She tells Yaakov, listen, it's time to leave. Go to Lovan's house, my brother's house. As long as you're in Lovan's house, you'll be secure. And when you leave Lovan's house, the fight will resume against you and Asaph. And taka the entire time Yaakov's in Lovan's house, you do not see any aggression by Asaph toward, toward Yaakov at all. And as soon as Yaakov leaves, which is the end of last week's Pasha, he leaves Lovan. What's the beginning of this week's Pasha? Esau shows up with 400 men because the war resumes. But while he was in Lavan's house, he was 100% protected based on his mother's promise, which is an entirely different class. Not for now why that worked that way. But he's in Lavan's house and now what? he's building up a resistance to fight Aesop. What, w- what was the final straw that says to himself, I now can leave the house of Lavan, my free protection? It says, it was. This is in, in Perak uh, Lamid, It says, It says, when Rachel gave birth to Yosef, he turns to and he tells him, listen, Yosef was born, I am now secure. Rashi quotes the famous Medrash, that base Yaakov, Yaakov's house was like a fire, Yosef was like the match, the flame, to light it, and Asaph becomes cash like straw, so as long as Yaakov didn't have an Asaph to light it, it wouldn't have worked, but as soon as Yosef was born, and, and, uh, Yosef, he was, until Yosef was born, he didn't have that match, as soon as he's born, he now could take on Asaph. Now, just as a very simple question, well, what is Yosef being born at one hour old? Probably, if you read the psukim, prior to receiving a milah, Have any power whatsoever. Clearly, physically, we can't assume Yosef is going to pick up a sword while he's in a, bay, uh, he's in a bassinet there and start attacking Esau. That doesn't make any sense. And even if you want to say it means spiritually that Yosef represented some spiritual force in the world, it's a little needs analyzation of how it could be that at one hour old Yosef already built enough spiritual energy that, he could, that Yaakov felt comfortable to attack Esau So what exactly is occurring in Yosef's birth from the first moment on that Yaakov said that birth is enough, I could take on Esau That's a very uh, a question we're going we're gonna to get to We're going to do a few questions and then we're going to come around and the one theme will answer everything I think we'll do the, a few questions, the theme and then a few more questions that will be answered because otherwise we'll get lost here The second event of major importance in Yosef's life is when Yosef snitches to his father about what the brothers are doing wrong. That's coming up in a couple weeks. And the brothers decide that Yosef has to be t- punished, severely punished. Either kill him, maybe not kill him, maybe sell him. But either way, it's a very severe punishment. Well, the basic story, this is Rashi quotes, different Madrasham. But that Yosef comes along and he sees one of the great sins that his brothers are doing. Not all his brothers, the Bnei Leia the Bnei Leia were treating the Bnei Zilpa and Bila in a not hush of a manner. And Yosef did not feel he could properly approach his older brothers and say, stop it. He wasn't really going to get involved with the fight. So he did was, he went to his father, and he told his father not treating the brothers well. Now, if the story is as simple as that, there's a minor problem here. Because when they decided to sell Yosef, you don't see the Bnei Zilpah and Zilpa defending Yosef doesn't sound like a very nice thing. <laughs> Yosef's defending Bnei Bila Bne Zilpah from the aggressive older brothers. And then when the aggressive older brothers decide to, t- to take exact revenge on Yosef, they didn't, they didn't stand up and say, "By the way, he's not so bad, he's defending us. What's the big deal? And let's say he did something, let's say they were afraid. What did he do so wrong? I don't know how many people here in this room have siblings. I'm assuming most of you do. Over the course of your lifetime, many a time you went to your parents and snitched on your sibling, especially at certain ages. That's just the way kids are. Kids fight, and sometimes the little one, the younger one, can't really exact revenge on the older one. So he goes to the, t- the father and the mother screaming. Doesn't sound like deserving of a grand punishment of death or sale into slavery. Any one of these extreme measures seems a little bit more over the top than we'd expect. Every one of us here did the same sins. None of us are expecting to exact revenge of such grand nature. So, again, it's not a major question, but it's a little bit of a have to figure out what Yosef exactly did wrong that his own brothers didn't defend him. And that was so terrible. And by the way, it wasn't only the brothers. If you look at the Midrashim, the Shechina backed up the brothers. The Shechina said, Akash Baruch Hu, the Shechina said that the brothers are right against Yosef. So whatever he did was a much more than the seemingly simple interpretation of the story going on, which doesn't seem to make sense. Even more so, again, a minor detail in the story is that when they were about to kill him, Yehuda steps forward and said, Ma Betza, what do we gain by killing him? Let's sell him into slavery. But I don't know, whatever Yosef did wrong, if he was deserving of getting killed, what do you mean Ma Betza, what do we gain? If snitching is the worst crime in the history of the world, so we're going to kill a snitch. So we're going to gain no more snitching. What do you mean, what are we going to gain? The, the obvious gain. There's no more, no more fighting. We're done with him. What are we going to gain? Therefore, we shall only sell him. So it's a little, a little strange. Not, uh, again, by itself, you might not go too upset, but together we're going to figure something out. The final of the three stories before we get to the long answer is the question that everyone asks. So how did these children come about? Yaakov comes to Lovan's house and he falls in love, whatever that means exactly, he falls in love with Rachel and Lavan says, okay, you could marry her, work for me seven years and then he does the classic uh, switching of the bride and, and he lands out, Yaakov lands out marrying Leah and then Leah starts, and Yaakov's not too happy about it and Leah starts producing children and then one day, one of her sons comes home with Dudayim Dudayim according to the Midrashim, is like a, it's like medication it's medication to help a woman have children Right before this, by the way, Rachel's saying that she's considered a dead woman without children. Very, very tragic place to be in. And then she comes, the Ruven comes home with some dedoyim and Rachel says, you know what? That's medication to have children. I don't have any children. So could I have some of that medication? I don't think anyone in this room would not help pay a bone heirloom. That that doesn't help support one another if they knew someone specifically in that situation. What's Leia's response? One of the oddest things of all time. She says... Rachel, I don't understand this, was taking my husband not enough. You stole my husband, and now you want to steal my uh, medication? And Rachel says, you know, you're right. It makes sense. And Hashem says, you know, you're right, Leah. And therefore, Leah, and she has a child. It sounds very strange. Leah seems very harsh here. First of all, the most famous question of all time is, Leah didn't steal Rachel's husband. If anything, I mean, Rachel didn't steal Leah's husband. If anything reverse, reverse the famous story was that when they switched the bride, yeah, Rachel realized that Leah was going to be embarrassed. So, what Rachel did was she gave over the Saman and whatever they were to convince not to get Leah embarrassed. So, really, Rachel gave her husband to Leah. So, how could Leah reverse it and say, You stole my husband? That doesn't make any sense. That's Mamish flipping the whole script around. But not that it's only flipped around the script. There are many answers to that. But it seems like Hashem backed up Leah. It says, Vayishma Hashem Leah. Hashem heard Leah's Taina and she had a child. The next word, Vishma Lakim. Vishma Lakim O Leah. Tavatel Yaakov. And if more so, it, from the story we're about to get to, Rachel gets punished. Not only did Rachel lose out, she gets punished. She took the and what happens? That Rashi brings down that she doesn't get buried with, with Yaakov. I don't, let's get the story straight here. A woman has no children. She's never crying, mainly I'm considered a dead person. She has a sister who she gave everything to, gave up her husband to, gave her the secrets of the, of the codes in, in order to get married. Then the sister turns around and says, you Russia, you stole my husband and I'm not going to give you the medication, you're a lowlife, you're a... all of that. And Hashem says, you know, she's right, the aggressor is correct and Rachel's wrong and Rachel should get punished. You can't get buried with Yaakov, this whole thing's a joke by you and Leah, you're correct, you deserve everything. So it's a little bit of an odd story. So we're going to We're going to answer with the Svarna, this story, and then we're going to show how the, I'm exaggerating the Svarna a little bit. We're going to exaggerate the Svarna a little bit or take him to the next step and then go through the theme what's happening (coughs) here. Well, Leah told Rachel, according to the Svarna was, you did a nice move. You did a very nice move. You gave me over the husband with the fake coats. That's beautiful. But a week later, you went and married the person. You became, you remained the number one in his eye. he, He got stuck marrying me with a trick. That's fine. But then you came along, and you took him away from me, and you knew he liked you more than me. And all these years are going by, and never once did you stand up for my honor. I named my first child Ruvain. Look, I'm not liked. Shimon, God hears I'm hated. Levi, I'm finally attached to my husband. Yehuda, more than a... She says, all I'm doing in life, I have nothing with my husband. I'm married to a person who has no love for me. He really loves you, and you knew this, and you gave me a husband who doesn't love me. What type of favor is that? What type of chesed did you do for me in that situation? That's not a nice thing to do. For the last few years, you sat back and watched me name my kids this way, and you're doing nothing about it. I have one thing going for me in this marriage. I am able to produce children. So as long as I'm able to produce children, Yaakov's not going to throw me out. And now my son comes over, and he wants to give me more medication to produce more children, and that also you're going to take from me? That's what she was telling her. You're, you're going to take the one thing I have left. The one thing I have left with Yaakov is I can produce children. He doesn't like me. and You sat here and did nothing. I always tell my students, if you're driving in the rain one day and a good friend of yours is standing by the bus stop and you pick him up, you're not a nice person. You're just a human being. Not that nice. If you don't pick him up, there's something wrong with you. If you drive by and splash him, then okay, then come see me. <laughs> but, but what's the big, what you're driving by in the rain and you pick up something. That's not a nice person. What Leah was telling Rachel is, you're not a nice person. You think you did me the grace of Chesed, you secretly gave me the codes and now I wasn't embarrassed? So now for, for the next six years I'm being embarrassed the next six is, I'm living in a life of, of, of torture, of a husband who, who I'm naming my kids in bad ways, and you do nothing. You never stood up for me one time. You're a sister to me. And Hashem said, V'yishma Hashem aleah. Hashem said, you know, that makes a lot of sense. is right. is creating, could be before this, there was no such concept. is creating an idea that when it comes to chesed, it doesn't stop when the chesed ends, when you think it ends. The idea of chesed in Judaism, what is starting is, don't fool yourself into thinking you're doing a nice thing. There's a much greater picture going on here and much more has to be done in order to be considered chesed. You must do much more. And Leah with her wisdom created this new idea. Who comes out of it? Batar Vateiled. Which child comes out of it? Yisachar. What's Yisachar known as? Wise counsel. The Shevet of Yisachar. it's in the story of Megillah with Megillah Sester. Yisachar was always known as wise people. The Sanhedrin and the the astrologies. Yisachar, for many generate why? Because Yisaka's birth came directly out of the layer creating a new concept of what's called ch- kindness by her wisdom and thinking it through and how to say it to her sister. She created a new energy field of, of wisdom and therefore the child that came out of that is wisdom. But not only one child came out of that. Two children came out of it. Who's Yisaka always tied to? Zvulim. What's a classic case of Zvulim? Classic case of Zvulim, I'm going to give it a story form. Story form of Zvulim. There are two brothers who are growing up. Okay, two brothers so they fight, they're friendly, they go back and forth. They both get married, they're sitting in Kailal. They're both not doing too well monetarily. And then one brother turns to the second and he says, Listen, I can't do this anymore. My wife's screaming. My, the lease is up. I can't pay the rent. I got to do something. Else. What are you going to do? I'm going out to work. I'm going to become a doctor. Do you want to do it? Let's do it together with best friends. I said, No, I like yeshiva. I'm going to continue a little more on. I like, let's, this, I shouldn't put this on tape. I like waking up a little late. I like my coffee breaks. I like my cigarette breaks. I, my life's good. I'm fine with this. I'm fine. I don't need have to work that hard. The other guy goes to medical school. That takes a long, long time. Then his residency takes a long, long time. Things are going on 15 years later. One guy's a doctor who everyone thinks he's rich and really he's full of, uh, he's full of uh, college debt and he never sees his kids because he's working 24 hours a day and his kids grew up, he never got to see him and he has a nice big house that now because he has more money he has, to, has a higher mortgage and the other guy is still waking up a little late, still drinking coffee, still smoking cigarettes. He, sees that. he goes home for lunch to, to hair his kids. He's having a good life. And now... Many years later, and the, and the and the brother who stayed in college got to marry for a kid. He's got to marry for a kid. That's, that costs a lot of money in today's world. So the poor brother says, "What am I going to do?" So he goes to his brother and says, "Listen, do me a favor. I need a, a talus a ring, a ring's three thousand. I don't know if they have Three thousand dollars a bracelet. They listen, to you. you're my brother. You made money. You're a doctor. You want What do you want? You want to help me out?" A brother has two ways of responding. One way is, "Listen, you bum. You've been sitting here for fifteen years of an easy life. I've been killing myself. What are you talking about? I should give you money. You did this to yourself." You created this own lifestyle for yourself. Live with it. What are you coming to me for? I got medical bills. Or there's something called the Yisachasvulen, which says, of course, my brother. I'll do anything for you. Of course. I went to work. Whatever you, give, me the, give me the bills. Send me the bills. It's mine. I'll take care of you. Go take care of the chasana. Buy everything that's on me. Two ways a brother can respond. We usually believe in the contract of Yisachasvulen, meaning that the Yisachasvulen, who doesn't have the easy life necessarily monetarily, monetarily does, but everything else maybe does, but not everything else for sure, is willing to support the brother who he can look at as what they quote phrases, bench kvetsha, all the words that people say, but he doesn't. He helps him out. Where did this come from that Yisach and Zul are so into each other, so willing to dedicate themselves, such loyalty, where does it come from? It comes from, because when Leah, was giving this musa to her, to her sister. She was telling Rachel, listen Rachel, you think you're a nice person? You think you did me a grace of taiva? You didn't do me a grace of taiva. I'm sitting here and I'm being abused by a husband. Not abused. I'm not being loved by a husband for so many years. In order to be considered nice, in order to do a favor, you got to go to the nth degree. you got to really do it. And she said, you're right. And Hashem said, you're right. Hashem said, you know you got it? You're going to get your HaZvulin, who forever are going to symbolize the relationship of two brothers who will give anything for each other. And that's what came out, that's why Yisrachan Zulam came out of this relationship at the time. But every time something good happens in Klay Yisrael there's an evil side that tries to stop it. So as Rachel's doing this Rachel's thinking it over. Ah, Leia. It's good, Taina. I hear My side did give over to Samanam. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And you had the kids. I don't have the kids. So the truth is, you know, you, you got a good deal here. And now you're screaming at me? But, but I hear my sister's my sister. You know what I'm going to do? You're good at one thing having kids? You take Yaakov tonight. Have more kids. I'm willing to give it up. Good idea. And she gives over. She says, "Lay, you're that good at it? Continue fighting with something you're good at. As a good sister should do. The Yitzhar walks over to her and says, no, no, "No, Rachel, listen to me. You're willing to give up a night with Yaakov? You know what that does? You're going to suffer for this. You're going to lose out being buried with Yaakov. You have no kids right now. So in this world, you've got nothing with him. You're one thing. You can be buried with him eternally. The eternal is going to be stopped as well. If you give over this, you lose out eternally. You've nothing left with Yaakov. You're really giving your husband over to Yaakov right now. You gave it over a few years ago with the Simonim. You're giving him over and having more kids for Leah. We're running out of kids here. The, 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 the women knew there's going to be 12 kids. You're running out of kids now. And I'm telling you what else you're going to get punished with? No burial with Yaakov. That's all. It's like a full house on cards. What does Rachel do? She says, "Listen, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know what I'm going to tell you? The ultimate thing I've got to give up. How do I know if I'm a nice person? Picking someone up in the rain is not a nice person. That doesn't cost you anything. That's zero. I'm going to have to give up something to prove I'm really, I really mean this, by the way. You know what I'm willing to give up? Everything. You're right. I will give up everything for my sister. Because that's what it means. I didn't start this game years ago and just give her the Simonim. She was right. I didn't give up enough. I'm going to give up everything right now. So in order to prove her loyalty, the Yetzirah convinced the system to work that now she also has to not be buried with Yaakov, and she gladly did it. Because that's what Rachel's greatness was of giving up for her sister, that she gave up everything for her sister in this world at that point and in the next world at this point. But that story doesn't end there. A few psikkim later, It's supposed to be 12 children. Rachel has six. Each one has two. Leah has six. Each one of the uh, maidservants have two. We're down to 10. We're running out of of space. And Leah, as we know, with the Dudleyim, Leah's... Leah is able to produce children. She's, she's expecting again. A grace simcha. And Leah says to herself, you think I'm a hypocrite? You think I only scream at my sister she has to do chesed? It's the zel on me. I have to do chesed. I can't be a one-way street. So she's looking into the wisdom. She says to herself, you know what? I don't want this baby to be a boy. Because if I have a boy, Rocha going to be embarrassed forever. I don't want this. And she starts davening to have a girl. What happens? The Yetzirah is right around the corner. He comes over to Leah, he says, Leah, listen, you're being a nar. You're being a nar. God's given you a gift, and you're punching him in the face. You're the ultimate of, ingrati- of, in- of uh, no gratitude. Well, how could you give this up? Leah says, nope, I can't have my sister be embarrassed. I don't care about having more boys. Rachel's got to have the boys. And then the HR pulls the switch more, because he's very good at what he does. He says, Leah, what do you have going for you? I'm curious. Why does Yaakov like you? you what's the one thing you have going for God? What did you say was, you have going for you? I could produce children. Mm-hmm, that's good. Who's the ultimate child? You know who the most loved child's going to be? The next baby. The next baby is going to be the most loved of all of them. The favorite son. The future is going to be in this next child, Yosef. The Ben Skunim. He's everything. You want to give up a baby, give up the next one. Don't be stupid. Don't give up Yosef. It's the main thing. You got nothing. If you lose Yosef, he beats the other six. So you're back to zero. Your whole thing is having children. All six children are on one side They don't compare to Yosef Yosef's the favorite of his, of his father He gets excited his pass him he, And now Leah's thinking to herself Wow, that's, that's a lot to give up That's a lot to give up But she says, you know what? I'm not a hypocrite You know what nice means? Nice means giving up something And she says, I don't care I I want to have a girl And Dina comes out of the girl Dina comes out And now Yosef is with Rachel Rachel has the, the, the chosen one, if I may say such a phrase. The favorite son is now by Rachel. Each sister battled herself and gave up the most extreme amount that she could. Each sister was willing to give up everything. Rachel was willing to give up in this world having children and potentially next world being buried. And then it reversed and Leah said, I'll give up all the children. I'll let her have Rachel. And now it's a great situation. Now let's l- read the psukim and see the godless of every word in the Torah that sometimes we don't get to notice. It says like this. So we ask the question. Question number one where we started with tonight is that Yaakov was, was, in a, was in a free zone. He was our home base. He was untouchable from Esav as long as he was in Lovin's house. As soon as he leaves Lovin's house, he's in trouble. So he has to be a bad phrase for Muncie. He needs the vaccination to withstand the pressure about to happen from Esav. So what is that vaccination? It's the birth of Yosef. And we ask the question, birth of Yosef. Yosef can't pick up a gun. Yosef, pick, Yosef has no mitzvahs at this point. He's a baby. What is it? it means nothing. So when I read the Pesukim before, I'm going to read it again now, and now we'll see it means. It doesn't say that. It says like this. Same Pesukim we read before in, in Perek Vayihi Yosef. When Rachel gave birth to Yosef, vayami Yaakov and Yaakov said and Shalchani, send me away, I can go my own way. If the entire essence of Yaakov's uh, strength was Yosef's birth, which is what we're saying it is, the, the Torah added in details, I shouldn't have said I'm going to read it again, just in case anyone missed. Am I doing well so far? Just in case. and Rachel gave birth to Yosef, let me go. Why did it have to add in the detail that Rachel gave birth to Yosef? It just should have said when Yosef was born. The moment Yosef was born, whatever power Yosef had, physically, spiritually, I don't know, emotionally, whatever he had, Yaakov now has the injected virus. He can have the injected the uh, vaccination. He can handle Yosef right now. Why is it adding in the detail that Rachel gave birth to Yosef? That's not, born, not who gave birth to Yosef. If Yosef's the main thing, who cares who gave birth to him? The answer is no. The crucial detail was not Yosef being born. It was that Yosef was born from Rachel. When Yosef was born from Rachel, so to speak, in American, American speak, Yaakov looks back and says, wait a second, what's going on here? Dina came out of Leah. Yosef's coming out of Rachel. There's a mistake going on here because Ra- Yaakov was certainly a prophet. And he starts putting t- together the cheshmer of what's going on. He starts cheshmering, yeah, this Yisachar's and he realizes now what's going on. You know what's going on now? We have two sisters that are totally loyal to each other. If two sisters, two Jews, are totally loyal to each other at the expense of themselves, because that's what loyalty is—not picking up someone in the rain. At the expense of themselves, Yaakov says, "I'm untouchable. I can fight. I can fight Esav. I'm ready to go. T- I'm ready to go." He tells Laban, Bench, "Nice knowing you. Time to leave." Sounds a little wild. Now listen to what it says here we start this week's parasha I told you this is running like five weeks here we doing okay so far timing wise this is what's starting this week's parasha what does Yaakov send him he sends him a message I had odd scroll acquired oxen and donkeys what does oxen and donkeys mean and we shouldn't discuss why he doesn't say camels there's a lot of stuff in, what is, in this seemingly odd Conversation that's going on through third-party people because The Balaturim says this. He gives a different interpretation. Why? But well, we could be Saimach on the Balaturim for the idea. You could and Shum for his his uh, his uh, direction. The Balaturim says that Shar is always representative of Yosef, and Hamar is representative of Yisachar. What he sent him was a message to Yosef: Don't come after me. I have and e- I have Yisachar and Yosef. What does it mean to have Yisacher and Yosef? I am baal some for a different answer. Yisacher and Yosef means I have two mothers that each gave up something for each other. The births of Yisacher and Yosef prove that there's nothing you can do to stop me. And I'm giving you good advice. Stay away. But what does Yosef think of Jewish advice? He doesn't listen. And one of the greatest miracles of all time occurs. Yaakov then meets Yosef. Now, at this moment Rashi says the phrase... He quotes the, the, the Rashbi, that's saying, Esav naturally inert genetic DNA, hates Yaakov. At this moment he kissed him, he's okay. That's not what it says. That's the last word. First it says, Esav's running at Yaakov. It could be that at this moment in time, Esav is still negative. That's not where Rashi's going on. He's going on later on. And he, he hugged him. Does not say yet at this point in time, Esau's in a good mood yet. Rashi's on, uh, Rashi's on that word, but it's on the next word. Where he says, Then he kisses him and he loves him. And Esau says, Vayifku. Esau's crying. Esau's saying to him, I don't understand this. I waited years for this revenge. This brother of mine stole my blessings. He stole the Bechar. I came with 400 men. He had an v- invisible place while he's in love on. I'm coming after him. I want to get to him. And the greatest miracle in history occurs. Hallahi be a doorsha Aisab San Yaqov. But at this moment not. But why not? Rashi doesn't end, why not? Why was the Aes at this moment Nikhmu Rachimov? That Rashi doesn't explain. Luckily enough, read the Psukim. at Aes of the Crossai, Fayekhpikeu, Vayipulat's, Fayvku, and he cries. Next page, Article cheated on us. Next page. Now it says, Asaph's crying. I'm going to say, Asaph, he's bewildered why he's crying. Like, what's going on with me? What is wrong with me? I'm like, like a a guy's watching a movie, and he's crying, and everyone's like, you cry in a movie? He doesn't I don't know why I'm crying. It's a movie. It's a fake thing. You know, it's fake. He's not crying. Asaph's like, I know I hate this guy. Believe me, I hate this guy. I want to kill him, but I, I don't know. Now I like him. He says, what's going on with me? Right afterward, he lifts up his eyes, raised his eyes, and he sees what? He says, you know what, Esau said, I can't get over this. I'm watching, I don't know what I'm looking at, but I see mothers and children with extreme loyalty and love for each other. And that creates, that permeates the atmosphere to where I'm overcome and I love them as well. When Jews are, are loyal to each other, again, we explained the loyalty level of Leah is not simply picking up someone by car. But the loyalty level, Edom and Esau, that's the Gullsman right now, has no authority over us whatsoever. Because it, the, when we create loyalty among ourselves, ASA joins in and automatically likes us. Even though he hates us. But he, he seems, V'nich he feels something toward us. That's what we have to work on. We have to work on the fact that when things are, are not that we're doing a favor, we think we're doing a real favor to the nth degree, we're willing to give up something of ourselves. When we're willing to give up something of ourselves, now, we're not finished yet. The brothers now are angry at, I got time, right? The, the brothers are angry the brothers angry at Yosef. What did Yosef do? Yosef snitched to his father. The brothers who were being abused, the Bnei Zilpa, Bnei Billah, they never went to Yaakov. The victim never went to Yaakov. The third party, Yosef, stepped in and says, "By the way, Yaakov, they're, they're making fun of it. Why didn't they step up?" Because the Bnei Billa and Bnei Zilpa understood something. When it comes to a loyalty against each other, we have to be on the same page. We don't go snitch to our father. And they turned to Yosef, this Yosef, by the way. Shikayf for trying to defend me. But but you know what? The B'Na'ley are right. What you did is criminal. How criminal is it? You gotta be killed. The whole existence of Judaism only exists if we're loyal to each other to the nth degree. And you don't have that loyalty, you're detriment to all of us here. You're now giving power back to Esau. We thought your birth, not you yourself as one day old, we thought your birth was gonna save us from Esau but you're sending us right back into his, into his den. And we can't have this. And we got to kill you. And Yehuda says, Ma what do we gain by this? What does it mean, Ma what do we gain? We gain that. Asa's not around. Asa's not around. There's no more. The, if if, if Yosef's not around, Asa's not around. So we're we gaining a lot. Reuven said, no, 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 no. The same loyalty goes both ways. We're going to kill him because he's not loyal, then we're not loyal. We got to try to fix him up. We got to try to help him. If we kill him, we are no better than he is. That's, the, that's the, like they say about suicide. A final uh, decision, a final solution for a temporary problem. If we kill him, we're not better than he is. We're the same thing. We're not showing loyalty to him. What we're going to do is sell him and let him work on himself. Let's tell him, you know what, Yosef? You can't be with us. You're not that good. You're dangerous. You're fire right now. You're a match that's dangerous. You're not a match for good. You're dangerous, so we're sending you away. We love you, but you've got to get out of here. And the Shekhinah agrees. There's a medrash brought down. I couldn't find it. The Medrash brought down. that on the way down to Mitzrayim, Yosef stopped by Kevah Rachel. Why? The answer is very simple. Yosef agreed with the brothers. He said, you know what? If that's the whole essence of how we're going to fight Esav, that makes sense. I have to do the same thing. I, I have to have loyalty. and I don't have it. I'm going to go to the Kever Rachel, the mama's Keva. I'm going to say, you know what, Rachel? You're the first one to get... Leah pointed it out. She had Yesacha. But the first one to give up everything was Rachel. Rachel, you gave up at that moment eternity physically in this world with children, and spiritually being buried. I'm going to take on your lifestyle, and that's what I'm going to work on myself. And I'm not coming back until I fix it. One of the most famous questions. Yosef becomes the, the second in command in Egypt. He never sends a letter home to his father. His father's crying, he's depressed, and he, no, he gets no nevuah. the shekhinah department when someone's upset. We spoke about that a couple years ago, and at no point did Yosef know, E.T. phone home, send a letter. Nothing. Why? Because Yosef said, I can't come back until I know I worked on myself. It doesn't work that way. How do we know that Yosef successfully won the game? Everywhere in the entire it's unbelievable. So it says like this. The brothers now are, are now we're going to the beginning of Ayigash, And there's a plan with Binyamin. Binyamin was was has the goblet. So Yosef makes a deal then he changes the deal. And now Ayigash Yigash, Yehudi, Yehudi steps forward and said, okay, listen, I don't know what you're up to. The game ends here. If you read the Medrash, as little kids read the Medrash says, when Yosef was screaming, the whole Egypt was shaken. There were, there were earthquakes. It was so dangerous at that moment in time. And the Egyptians were coming to Yosef and saying, get rid of these people. Whatever, these guys are like Hulk. God, I don't want to speak to things about Gadolim. But they have such power, you've got to stop this right away. They're going to destroy all of us. We can't protect ourselves to these people. And Yosef is thinking to himself, okay, maybe it's time. How does Yosef know if he's ready to protect how does he know, Yosef, that he has the loyalty to give up everything for his brothers? I'll tell you how. Pasuk says so. Pasek says, Yosef says, I'm, I, I feel it's time to prove myself. Time to show I can't hold back anymore. But what do I, how do I prove that I'm really the right person? He does one thing first. Amazing. Vayikra, he calls out, Ha'itziu kol ish me'aloi. Everyone out. No Egyptians allowed in. When Yosem is about to reveal himself to the brothers, no one else is in the room. Why not? Rashi brings down. Didn't want to embarrass them. But you know what Yosem did when he sent the Egyptians out? He, for those first three and a half seconds, whatever the number is, he placed himself in the ultimate situation of danger. Because at that moment, the Egyptians hightailed it out of there. Like, no Egyptians like lo- looking at the monster who's about to kill everyone and say, oh, leave? No, no, I'll stay. No, no, they're all leaving. The Egyptians hightailed it out of the right away. way. Yosef standing alone with Yehuda who's about to destroy him and the whole Egypt. He says, I don't care. If I don't have a chance to say I'm Yosef, it doesn't make a difference because you know what? I'm not going to embarrass my brother even at the risk of my own life. Even though I'm alone with the brothers right now and each one of them can kill me and each one of them is angry because they don't know who I am yet. That, but I don't care. I'm not going to embarrass a brother because that's what it's about. Loyalty means, I'm not, and now it proves, it. if I could send them out, I can prove I'm ready to come back. So what does he say? I'm your brother. You know how I prove I'm your brother? Look what I just did five minutes ago. No one else in the world right now knows what you guys did. You guys told me. That's what he says in the pasuk. Why? Why? So imagine this. Imagine a guy apologizing The most famous question. All the, all the, a lot of strong speak about this. We're going with a different answer. A guy comes out. you guy I apologize Yeah, I, I forgive you. Yeah, you know that time you you, were, you 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 didn't pick me up in the car. Yeah, you drove me over. You punched me in the face. You start listing everything. It's like the worst forgiveness of all time. You guys have, here's my list of complaints, by the way. And yes, I forgive you, but I didn't forget, by the way. This one happened six years ago. You stood next to me and chilled, you elbowed me. This happened when, it's all about Penny right now. This is when you promised me money, you didn't give it to me. I have a whole list of it, right? I come out, yeah, I'm I see. That's the worst phrase you could have said to them. The answer he was telling them, you don't understand. I remember you sold me, but I don't want anyone else knowing it. I'm hiding it from everybody because I'm going to do anything for you guys right now. And I'm ready to come home. I'm ready. And that what happens? He comes home. Well, Yaakov comes down, but the same idea. When Yosef realizes that he could reveal himself at the expense of his own life, he had to wait for that moment. If he would have sent home a letter right away, yeah, you're on top of the world and you send home a letter. Everyone gets that email from the former, former enemy who's successful. I'm now being honored by yeshiva. I know I treated you like garbage. <laughs> by the way, send money because I'm that chash you are nobody. Right? I get those letters from Pity. So what's going on? That's not, that's not loyalty. How does Yosef prove loyalty? He proves loyalty by saying, I put myself in a dangerous situation. I'm still willing to reveal myself. In order for Mashiach ben Yosef to reveal himself, he needs to know that he can recognize us. He's knocking on the door a month and he's saying, okay, are you a Jew? We say, I'm a Jew. I, I, I get a basiq. Are you loyal to people? I represent the concept of loyalty. The Mashiach ben Yosef means I need loyal people. Are you loyal? I pick up someone when they're training outside. No, that's not, that's not good enough. And he's walking around the globe right now. Mashiach ben and he's searching for the Jews who are loyal to each other. And as soon as we are, two effects occur. Mashiach ben says, I'm with you. I now recognize these people. They're my people. I need my people. And the Edomites of the world, the Esavs of the world, can't fight us. They're overwhelmed with the same loyalty toward us. Just like Esav happened originally. As soon as Esav looked up and he saw, and he realized what it meant, why he was crying, why even though Esav son of Yaakov, he was, he was, why was he He looked up and he saw the answer. When the women and children are getting together, everything works out. It's an interesting thing that when the Rashi says that Yaakov represented fire, he needed Yosef as the flame, it doesn't say Yaakov was the fire. I, I left out a word the whole time. It says base Yaakov. Base Yaakov, right? That's what Rashi says. Why well, did Yaakov say, what about Yaakov? not about base Yaakov? Basically, that's all. Yeah, you could say he means the other other ten shrotim before Yosef. Pashas, it means that Yaakov himself. So why is it Beis Yaakov? The answer of Beis Yaakov, as we all know, Beis Yaakov represents the females of Klai Israel. because Yaakov, when he saw what was going on with Yosef was born, Beis Yaakov meant he saw Rachel and Leah first. He saw Rachel and Leah's loyalty to each other, and he realized that's what I need. I need a Beis Yaakov of loyalty that created a Yosef. I'm ready to go. I'm good to go against Yosef. That's why it's Beis Yaakov, not Yaakov itself. So I just want to say that I hope we could uh, live up to the challenge of knowing what a favor is, knowing what loyalty is, and the Mashiach Ben Yosef should come Amen. ASAP.